Well, amen, amen. Ladies and gentlemen, we are currently in our third week of our series that is titled God With Us. We're following along through the Lenten season of a book from Max Lucado that is titled Jesus, the God who knows your name. And in the back screen, we're going to be having the three scripture references that I'm going to be sharing with you today. And I'm going to go right into one of them, which is the book of Mark, chapter 2. The book of Mark, you can look in your Bibles or in your devices. Mark, chapter 2. I'm going to be reading verses 13 through 17. All right. Now, I'm reading from the NIV version, so if you have your own Bible or your device, it may have a different translation, but you pray you follow along. Verse 13 says this. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake, and a large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him, and Levi got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and quote-unquote sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the, again, quote-unquote sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to him, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Let me pause for a quick prayer. And God, as we come before your presence, let the words that come out of my mouth are like rivers of living water for those who are thirsty for your word. Let it be transforming power of the movement of the precious Holy Spirit. Hear this today. We ask this in the sweet name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, after reading this passage, uh, you guys keep in mind some of the things in in history. So I'm going to go into the uh, 1700s when the Methodist movement began in England. uh, There were masses of people who had moved into the cities to find jobs in the coal mines and the new factories. And by doing that, the cities didn't have adequate housing or hospitals or schools for all the people. So the cities were horribly overwhelmed with desperately poor people. Now those who had jobs had often uh, had to work in very dangerous conditions. There were hard times. Now for the sake of what I'm about to share with you is that I'm gonna call those people who had just come into those cities as outsiders. So these outsiders love that toe-tapping music, the music that they would normally hear by the tunes in the bars or the pubs wherever they were. However, the church created more, uh, had those, uh, the music that were more sophisticated or, or more of a, a serious uh, music. The outsiders liked the relaxed conversational speech. However, in churches, the sermons were more polished and academic in style. The church people, they dressed uh, their very best to show that they were upper class. And they made everybody else feel lower class. They made it clear in all sorts of ways that uh, those who were in lower class weren't welcomed. 
Now, John Wesley, the founder of the uh, uh, Methodist, uh, Methodism, he had a friend that was uh, uh, George Whitfield. And George Whitfield would go out and, and he went to the, where the coal miners were and he would preach the word. And then and that was, you know, not heard of. So there came a point where Whitfield went to America and he asked John Wesley to continue to preach to those coal miners. Now, Wesley had very mixed feelings about it. He didn't like to, uh, preaching outside. He was nervous about those coal miners. But you know what? He went. He wrote in his journal that he submitted to be more vile. And he preached the love and the, and the grace of God right out on the coal fields. And those rough coal miners who have been excluded from hearing the gospel by all sorts of cultural barriers in their churches, they stopped. And they even, even after working a long, hard hours, they listened. Huge crowds of them. You see, that they listened more intently than, than those that were sitting on the pews on Sunday mornings in church. The gospel of Jesus Christ for them became life and hope for their lives. It is written that they could see sometimes the, 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 the little white lines washed through their coal dust that were, that as the tears ran down their face. There were tears of conviction over their sins and tears of joy at hearing that hope that Jesus Christ could accept them and give them new lives. Can I get an amen to that? And thousands of them joyfully came into the kingdom of God. And so John Wesley organized them into the small groups and classes where they could learn. You know, John Wesley's brother, Charles, Charles Wesley, if you know about hymns, you'll see that Charles Wesley wrote a lot of hymns. And some of those hymns were pertaining to the tune of those that were in bars and, and the pubs. And so that way that the coal miners and quote-unquote the, uh, the unsophisticated individuals who can really connect because even though the tune was familiar, the message, the lyrics had changed so that way it could bring grace and mercy and love and forgiveness of God so that way they can understand it. And if you don't mind, can I give you an example today? All right, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask for your participation in this. I'm not even going to say anything, but I think you're going to know what this tune is. I'm going to ask for your participation, if you can, if you can. I'm going to ask you to do this. Are oh, you getting it? You're getting it. So what do you think that that rhythm is? Here we go. Well, what's the chorus part of that, of that song? A little louder? Uh, hey, oh, hey, see, oh, I didn't even say a word. You already knew. Like, oh, you got the rhythm, okay? So what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to ask you to do that again, all right? But hear the message or the, or the lyrics that are going to be shared, and then instead of saying, we will, we will rock you, I'm going to ask you to say, because we're, we're talking about God and stuff, we're going to say, we will, we will love him, okay? Love him. Let's try this again. Here we go. Nice and, little, nice and loud, so I can get a little pumped up up here. Ready? Okay, here we go. Okay. 
Jesus was a cool dude, 40 days without food, lived his life by the golden rule. He died in my place, amazing grace, spreading his love all over the place. Here we go. We. Ah, see, I told you. All of my. <laughs> you got, so church music, okay, the, that now all of a sudden, now those coal miners, those that were unsophisticated people, they got to connect with the church and, and the songs and those, those, the music became more of a joy. They just grew in their faith and their lives were being changed on a regular basis. You see, ladies and gentlemen, the Methodist movement in which to our understanding is it was never to be a denomination, but a movement. The movement took off when the doors of the gospel were open to the people who would appreciate hearing the good news in their lives. And so in today's text, in the book of Mark, we see two views of the church. The first view, the Pharisees saw it as a showcase of saints. They would work very hard to appear better than anyone else. They would stay far away from anyone who might, have, uh, might leave the smudgy fingerprints on the glass of their display case. And that impressed some people. They seem impressed with themselves. In fact, with this first view, let's look at in the book of Matthew, chapter 23, Verses 27 and 28. Matthew 23, verses 27 and 28. And as you're looking for it, we're going to see that Jesus had what he had to say to the religious leaders. And in fact, he has some harsh words to tell them. On verse 27 of Matthew 23, it says, Woe to you, this is Jesus speaking, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You are like whitewashed tombs which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of dead man's bones and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. Woo! Talking about some harsh words from Jesus to those Pharisees. Ladies and gentlemen, people today must also avoid insincere piety. Religion too focused on the appearance risk avoiding people who are in great need. The second view in this Mark passage, Jesus reached out to those others had avoided. Whether it was a tax collector, the ones that were considered as notorious sinners, or what about a troubled woman at the well? Or maybe a lame man on a healing pool? With this view, of the second view, turn your Bibles to the Gospel book of John, chapter 5. I'll be reading verses 3 through 9. John chapter 5. 3 to 9, and the Bible says this. Here a great number of disabled uh, people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had uh, been there for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, 
he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. And then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. And that's exactly what he did, that instantly the man was healed. Ladies and gentlemen, it is difficult to tend to those who are sick, you know, physically or or spiritually, if we are distracted by other things we consider more important. But you can't live a real life in a display case. People today who see the church like this try to recruit only those who look really good, only those who have money, who don't and won't make any waves to be in their church. And when they try to, uh, uh, to get together, everybody else looks polished up and under best behavior. On the first day you walk into a, a church like that, it looks pretty good. But it isn't long before you start wondering if a real person like you will even be welcomed and accepted there. You may have a day when there is a burning issue in your life, but you know it is something that, does not, that doesn't fit the showcase image. So you bite your tongue and, and you keep it to yourself. And as you realize that you can't talk about this and you better not talk about that, it starts to feel like it's an empty sham, and sadly, it is. You see, Jesus saw the church not as a showcase for saints, but as a place where people can get well, a hospital for sinners. He welcomed them. He ate with them. He hung out with them. you got to understand that in the midst of this message that the church is not a showcase for saints. It is a hospital for sinners. Amen. Amen. You see, for the Mark scripture, Jesus spotted Levi as someone worth taking the risk of investing in. And he did it even when it really bothered the religious leaders and the Pharisees. He didn't care about that. And what happened when, what, what happened when he did this? Levi was able to receive that love. And it moved him from stop being a selfish money grabber. Uh, He walked away from all the righteous but sinners. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus always had compassion to heal and help. Of course, not all people who needed Jesus suffered from a medical condition. But Jesus was always a doctor to those who were spiritually sick. Now, we may not all get physically healed, even as we continue to pray for it on a regular basis, but we all have the opportunity of being spiritually healed. Let Jesus heal you. He is compassionate. He is our great physician. Let us pray. Loving God, we come before your presence more. You see, if we see the church as a showcase for saints, 
then it will be really exciting when one of the top families in town visits, to, uh, visits uh, the worship and, and we'll all be excited that they are able to join our quote-unquote club and, and give us even more prestige in town. That will make us a more uh, impressive showcase for how good we are. But if the church is a hospital for sinners, then we'll be more excited when a broken person comes to church. That our greatest ex- excitement will, um, will be over the hope of that what Christ is going to do in repairing their life. And we won't care a bit what anybody thinks about our prestige in town. You know that Jesus even mentioned how the angels themselves will celebrate with us? You don't have to look this up, but if you're taking notes, you can write it down on Luke 15, verse 10. Jesus said, in the same way, there is a joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. Amen. So as a church, who are we most eager to please? This is a huge effect on what we do when we come together. If we see the church as a showcase for saints, then of course we'll put our very best side forward. We'll dress nice and and put on the Sunday morning smile on our faces and keep the unpleasant trees of our lives out of sight. I fear that on many Sundays there may be more than one person whose hearts are breaking with some struggle and they so much want to get it out and talk about it with someone, but they just don't feel like it's allowed to do that at church. Remember, no smudgy uh, human fingerprints allowed on the showcase, but... If we see the church as a hospital for sinners, if we can all agree that we are not here because we are perfect, we need to find strength for the challenges coming tomorrow and guidance to know which challenges to take on and to cut out the things that waste our lives. And then we have the freedom to open up and talk about the things that really matter to us. We can work on them together. We can treat each other's vulnerabilities with respect and gentleness. We can support one another and pray for one another. And lives will be changed and people, others will want to come and see what Jesus can do for them also. Now as I wrap up today's sermon... I do have at least four, four images I want to share with you. One of them is the walker. Probably some of you may, may use them or know of somebody that uses them. If not the walker, then a cane. And it says that we all need to lean on something sometimes. And it's very appropriate to come to church to lean on God, to lean on one another. That's what we're here for. This is a place to open up your, uh, your, your burdens and find support from our brothers and sisters in Christ. And the other two items is a stethoscope. And I know there's a medical term for it, but I, can't, I, I don't know how to say it, but it's the, the, blood, the blood pressure cuff. 
For those of you who are nurses or doctors, be like, uh, yeah, that's the easy way to say it. But yeah, that's what it is. But they're here to say that if you feel something wrong in your life, but you can't figure it out all on your, uh, uh, by yourself, this is a place as a church supposed to be of learning, of asking, of finding help in understanding what's happening in your life. You see, ladies and gentlemen, our doctors use these kind of tools to figure out what's going on when we don't feel well. But if we don't tell the doctor what's wrong, if we keep on saying everything is okay, doc, and then we've wasted those tools on us. And God has given us much help and many tools to get everyone made whole in their spirits. It is when we humble ourselves. When we admit to God the areas where we have failed. When we admit that we just aren't going to make it on our own, that we find God's strength and healing. As we read in today's first passage of the book of Mark, chapter 2, verse 17, Jesus said to them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus always had compassion to heal and to help. Of course, not all people who needed Jesus suffer from a medical condition. Jesus was also a doctor for those who were spiritually sick. We may not all get physically healed, and we know that some of us are are, are feeling the hurt and the pain as we continue aging, or maybe it was an accident, or maybe you got hurt not doing something. We may not all get physically healed, but we have an opportunity, all of us, to get spiritually healed. Let Jesus heal you. He is compassionate. He is our great physician. Amen. Let us pray. Loving and most gracious God, we're thankful for your love, your grace, your mercy, for your word today. We know, God, that whether we are feeling alone sometimes when the the struggles of life come our way, that we sometimes don't even want to share anything because we're being vulnerable and maybe we feel like people are going to laugh at us or steer us the wrong way. I pray, God, that you lead us through your precious Holy Spirit and that we can find someone, God, uh, apart from you, that we can share our hurts and our pains and that we can rely on you, lean on you, God, for that healing touch in our lives. The same way you did to Levi, that you were able to make a change in his life and that others wanted to say, wow, there's still hope for me. God, that hope is still here because you have given us another day of life and another day of life is another day of opportunity for us to turn back to you that we may not get physically healed. And we know that that happens. We believe and have faith that physical healing takes place. But when it doesn't happen, because that's all in your hands, God, we can all hear today, we've all heard that we can all be spiritually healed. We thank you for all that Jesus Christ has done for us. That he is not only our Lord and Savior, but our great physician. 
We thank you for your word today. We ask in in the sweet name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to say thank you so much for all the family and friends who have come in, and as well as for you and for those of you watching, as we were able to baptize five children here today. What a great way to witness to continue also being the church. If you are around next Saturday, March 18th at 7 p.m., there will be a worship service with Celebrate Recovery that the title is Shameless Noise, where the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ Our physician will be lifted high and highly praised. I look forward to worshiping with you next Sunday as we continue on with this series. And by the way, ladies and gentlemen, don't leave today. If you need prayer, our lay pastor, Stephen Ministers, will be up on the front here after this service to pray with you and for you. Don't leave here without someone praying for you. I'm going to ask you to please stand. Receive the benediction today. May the power of the Most High, may the compassionate and great physician, may the leading of the precious Holy Spirit lead you and guide you until we see each other again. And God's people will all say, amen, amen. Have a blessed week, everyone, and God bless all of you.